When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And welcome to Ohio Mysteries. This is our 10-minute mystery edition, a little slice of intrigue in the middle of your week. I'm your co-host, Steve Yoder, and with us as always is our storyteller and journalist, Paula Schleiss. Hi, everybody. Tonight, we've got a mystery out of the Civil War. It didn't take place in Ohio, but involved thousands of Ohioans and four of our most famous generals. It's also rather unique because it was a mystery and then it wasn't and then it was again. And now it's a mystery as to whether it's a mystery. A listener of ours, Nick, challenged us to check this out. And since we had to go down into this rabbit hole, we are taking you with us. It's the legend of Angel's Glow, a story about thousands of Ohio soldiers injured in one of the war's most horrific battles who found their wounds glowed in the dark. You'll also get to hear about how a 17-year-old kid and his 21st century scientist mom figured out what caused that glow and why the glow saved the lives of many of the troops. And then you'll get to hear from the staff that maintains the Shiloh battlegrounds, ruin everyone's fun, and say they couldn't have solved the mystery because as far as they're concerned, Angel's glow was fake news. So, in the end, we've got a fight about a fight. Let's get this party started. I learned long ago not to assume everyone is up to speed on American history. So, long story short, the Civil War began in 1861 when states in the South wanted to separate from the United States of America and form their own country, the Confederate States of America. The war lasted about four years. A year into this war, on April 6, 1862, one of the bloodiest battles of the Civil War took place in southwestern Tennessee on the Tennessee River. History calls it the Battle of Shiloh. There were nearly 110,000 men involved in this two-day battle. Just imagine that number. I don't even know how you fit 110,000 people on a battlefield, but they did. There were 44,000 from the south and 65,000 from the north. Now, this battle might be 400 miles from the border of Ohio, 
but the Buckeye State was a pivotal force here. Of the northern troops involved, nearly 18,000 of them came from Ohio. And Ohio had some of its most famous generals in the battle. The Army of the Ohio was under the command of General Don Buell, who was born in Lowell, that's a village in Washington County. He was joined by none other than Ulysses S. Grant, native son of Point Pleasant in Claremont County, and arguably the most famous military mind to come out of Ohio. Also at this fight was General William Tecumseh Sherman, who was born in the Fairfield County city of Lancaster. If you know your Civil War history at all, or are a fan of the movie Gone with the Wind, Sherman is the general that set Atlanta on fire as he made his infamous march to the sea. And also present was Major General James Garfield, born in Moreland Hills, east of Cleveland. Heck, two of these guys, Grant and Garfield, are going to become president. So you've got some serious Ohio firepower at this battle. 18,000 Buckeyes and the Ohio generals, Grant, Sherman, Buell, and Garfield. Now, this battle takes place over two days, and by the time the sun sets on April the 7th, 3,400 dead bodies will litter the field. Another 3,000 will simply be missing, and 16,000 soldiers will be struggling with their injuries. Grant and Sherman will both be among the injured, Grant with some sort of ankle injury, and Sherman with a cannonball to his hand. Back home, Ohio families will learn if their sons are among the casualties by reading their local newspaper. All over the state, local papers were printing lists of the dead, the wounded, the missing, and the captured. Nobody had seen anything like it. It was the biggest and bloodiest battle anybody had seen in their lifetime. Before we move on, let me tell you a little bit more about this battle, since Ohio figures in it so prominently. In the months leading up to the Battle of Shiloh, the North was really kicking butt in the southern states of Kentucky and Tennessee. Grant was in charge of the Army of the Tennessee, and they had taken over some significant forts. General Buell and his Ohio Army had captured Nashville, the capital of Tennessee. So with this momentum, Grant and Buell decided to team up and take on the Confederate General Albert Johnston. So Grant is near Shiloh, Tennessee, waiting for Buell and his Ohioans to arrive, when Johnston suddenly decides to attack Grant before Buell can get there. The Union was caught by surprise. Grant did not expect Johnston to do that. And the rebels were having a lot of success. That first day, they pushed the Northern Army back a full mile. That was pretty exceptional. Unfortunately for the South, they lost their general. General Johnston was killed, shot in the leg, and bled out before he could be helped. Another general took over, but it's not easy to assume command right in the middle of an ongoing battle. That's a distinct disadvantage. Turns out, that was the least of their problems. Because as everyone was catching their breath that first night and preparing for the next day, the full might of Ohio's army arrived. 
The Confederates fought fiercely the second day, but now they were far outnumbered and eventually decided to retreat. When the healthy Confederates fled, they left behind their dead and wounded, and the number they left on the field was just about equal to the number of dead and wounded from the north. The news that the battle had claimed some 23,000 casualties quickly reached Ohio, and Ohioans united to assist their troops. The state government dispatched several boats of supplies and medicine to the battle site to care for the casualties, and Ohio doctors and nurses followed in their wake. This is where legend takes over. As the story goes, when darkness descended on this bloody scene after the second day, something strange happened. Among the thousands of wounded scattered around the battlefield waiting for help to arrive, some noticed that their wounds were glowing with a faint greenish-blue color. And in the days that followed, medical teams that treated the men who survived the Battle of Shiloh thought those with glowing wounds had fared better than their non-glowing counterparts. The wounds purported to have been glowing had less infection, healed faster, and scarred less. Nobody understood what was happening. There was no science that could explain it. But in time, given that the luminescence seemed to be beneficial, the phenomenon was nicknamed angel's glow. Now fast forward about 140 years to 2001. A boy named Bill Martin, a 17-year-old high school senior from Maryland, was visiting the site of the Battle of Shiloh with his family on vacation when he learned from some unidentified source the story of Angel's Glow. It just so happened that Bill loved science, and his mom was a microbiologist for the U.S. Department of Agriculture, and he was always fascinated hearing about her work. When he heard about Angel's Glow, it sounded to him a lot like something his mom had mentioned studying, luminescent bacteria. Could that be what happened? Bill's mom said maybe he should test his theory. So Bill enlisted a friend of his, John Curtis, and the two teamed up for a project. The two boys started by studying the conditions on the battlefield and learned that cold, wet, and muddy fields, very much what was encountered at Shiloh that rainy spring season, made the perfect conditions for photorhabdus luminescence to thrive. Okay, that's a mouthful. But we can make this very simple. There is this parasitic worm called a nematode, and it usually likes to hunt down insect larvae, which is often buried in muddy soil, and it burrows into their bodies. Then it vomits inside this larva, and the vomit contains a luminescent bacteria that produces chemicals that kills the insect host. Now, normally, this worm doesn't want anything to do with humans because humans are warm and dry, and it likes things wet and cold and gooey. But the Battle of Shiloh took place during a rainy spring in fields that were cold and wet and muddy. 
Descriptions of the battle tell how some injured men lay where they fell for hours, and in some cases, days before they could be attended to. And as the men lay there in the mud during the early spring night, hypothermia could even set in, causing body temperatures to fall. In this kind of environment, the wounds of these soldiers would certainly have been getting infiltrated by all kinds of microorganisms and even insects. So what if the worms decided to treat the mud-covered wounds and whatever tasty treats they hid like a smorgasbord? As the nematodes burrowed into the wounds in search of food, they would vomit up that luminescent bacteria resulting in the faint glow that the soldiers saw. The boys then took a look at the medicinal properties of the nematode's tummy bacteria and found that it indeed was the kind of stuff that fought off other harmful bacteria. Basically, it acted in the way our modern antibiotics do. Heck, if they knew this back during the Civil War, the medics would have probably carried barrels of these parasites around with them. When Bill and John were all done with their project, they presented their findings at the International Science and Engineering Fair in San Jose, California in May of 2001, and they won top prize. This revelation made news all over, and people celebrated that the mystery of Angel's Glow was finally solved. Except, while I'm researching and writing this story, I'm looking really hard for any original reports of this glow. You know, if someone knew of it to tell young Bill Martin in 2001, then someone back in 1862 must have mentioned it, maybe in the journal of a soldier or a medic or an account written by an officer. I couldn't find an original source. What I did find was a 2014 Facebook post from the Shiloh National Military Park, where staffers are assigned to maintain and educate people about this significant and famous Civil War battle. And, well, rather than me paraphrase, let me just read part of their post. Hey, folks. Well, it seems that every couple of months this story rears its ugly head. What are we talking about, you ask? We are talking about the infamous legend of the glowing wounds of Shiloh, or what some folks refer to as the angel's glow. We want to put this myth to rest right now. We are not sure exactly how the glowing wounds myth at Shiloh got started, but there is no contemporary evidence from surgeons or soldiers that the park has ever located that refers to this phenomenon. Medical doctors at the time were unaware of bacteria or the cause of infection, but such a unique phenomenon would probably have been observed and commented on. Apparently, this phenomenon became associated with Shiloh when a young man, Bill Martin, was visiting the park in 2001 and heard someone talking about the glowing wounds. We do not know if the person he talked to was a park ranger or some other individual. We have no record concerning the person who spread this information in the park, and none of the staff present today have any recollection of it. 
the press and others have promoted the story over the last few years, and it has gained a great deal of attention, but none of them have bothered to check with the park for documentation. If any eyewitness accounts are found, we would be glad to examine them. Until then, we must conclude that it could have happened, but there is no evidence from eyewitnesses that it did. Okay, so that's the Facebook post from the park. But before you dismiss this idea completely, the Shiloh National Military Park did point out that there was an incidence in another war entirely about glowing wounds. It happened during World War I, and in 2011, an Australian scientist named James Byrne wrote about it for a publication called The Naked Scientists. He also called it Angel's Glow and described it exactly as Bill Martin had, that the wounds infected with it appeared to heal more cleanly and quickly and offered better survival rates to the victim. I ran into the same problem that I ran into with the Battle of Shiloh. I couldn't find any original source, meaning Byrne didn't share who from World War I had spoken of this phenomenon. But wait, there's more. Because I did find an original source that spoke about this oddity. I found a site that directed me to a publication called the Quarterly Journal of Science, Literature, and the Arts, published in London in, are you ready, 1821. And it talks about the phosphorescence of wounds as witnessed by Baron Percy, who had treated soldiers during 25 years of fighting in various wars. Baron Percy suggested more people would have witnessed this strange effect, except that wounds are generally dressed or changed in the daytime. And at night, when they might be observed, they're covered and the effect hidden from view. Baron Percy specifically talked about treating the leg wound of a soldier that glowed for 15 days and of an officer whose wound glowed for six days after he was injured in the Siege of Mannheim. I looked that up. It was a German conflict that took place in 1795. So, there you go. It's an original source. It's not the Civil War. And I don't know where young Bill Martin heard about Angel's Glow at the Battle of Shiloh, but clearly it's not an idea that came out of thin air. That's it for our 10-minute mystery. We'll see you here next week for our full-sized episode. In the meantime, enjoy the rest of your week. May all of your mysteries have happy endings. Hey there. I'm Hannah. And I'm Audrey. We are a sister filmmaking duo and co-hosts of Sleepover Cinema, our show where we analyze the films that created the collective unconscious of the girls, gays, and theys of the late 90s and early 2000s. Princess Diaries, The Cheetah Girls, Aquamarine, Cinderella, the one starring Brandy. We haven't stopped thinking about these movies since we first saw them, and we want you to rewatch them and review them with us. Are these movies as bad as critics would have us believe? Do we even care if they are? We are always unpacking that very question on Sleepover Cinema. 
Check out Sleepover Cinema wherever you get your podcasts or at evergreenpodcast.com. See you soon.